Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 46 of College Football Throwdown. I'm your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Hi there, Husker fans and college football fans. That's right, and we are coming to you live today in person from the uh, commons on the campus of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. That's right, absolutely. We are are, uh, in the epicenter of the universe here in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, in the Love Library. Uh, enjoying uh, uh, some time here on the campus and uh, the day after uh, the victory against Rutgers University. That's right. We're going to be talking about, we were all there live for the games, we're going to be talking about the Rutgers game, Uh, but we have some special guests with us today, don't we? We do, we do, we do. We we have a couple of of, uh, uh, members of the current Boneyard here at the University of Nebraska. Uh, we have uh, uh, Haley uh, Fisher here, right to my left, and uh, and then also Olivia Schmitz. Uh, Haley is a junior here at the university, and Olivia, of course, is my daughter, your your uh, sister, uh, and who is a freshman, the the first authentic Husker from the family. <laughs> so there she is. Yes. <laughs> Are we ignoring so, our other cousins who have gone here? No, I mean from our family. From your spot. Immediate family. Yes. Immediate family. So, yes. and yes. Haley, yes. welcome. Thank you. Yes, and Haley is uh, uh, my cousin. Yes. So, that's how we're all related here. That's right. All fans of the of the Cornhuskers, and so we're excited to have a special edition here where we get to not only speak to you right from the campus, but also get the perspective of a couple of current students and their their thoughts on uh, on the team. All right. So, Haley, why don't you say Hello. Hi, everyone. And Olivia, you say hello. Howdy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Howdy-do. So so normally, about this time, we would uh, have our proverbial official uh, opening of the uh, beverage. However, uh, Alex, you placed that in front of me, and it was so enticing, I, I couldn't resist. I couldn't help myself, and I opened it before the podcast began. So apologize to those listeners who anticipate the opening of the beverage. <laughs> not going to be able to do that this week because, by golly, I'm already drinking it. Sorry. Muscle memory commanded that you just open the can. <laughs> yes, I'm that sure is true. there are many listeners who are just heartbroken <laughs> at this moment that we missed out on that great tradition. But... Uh, on last week's podcast, uh, Dad and I uh, predicted the scores we believed that the Rutgers game would be. You predicted a high-scoring game of 35-28 with a Nebraska victory, and I uh, predicted a little lower on 21-17. Turns out it was a little bit between the two of us with a 28-17 score. However, I think I get uh, closest since I got one of the scores right. That's right. That's true. They only scored 17, and technically their offense only scored 10. Tanner Lee gave them the other seven. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So um, we've got some stats and specific things to talk about about the game, but why don't we just go around and give general impressions uh, what was like the number one thing you're thinking about when you were leaving the stadium. Dad, why don't we start with you? Well, my, my thought was is that the second half of the Rutgers game could be an aberration, just dumb luck kind of thing where we stumbled onto some things that happened to work against a Rutgers team that's maybe not very good, or was it a turning point? Was it a moment of clarity where just maybe our offensive and defensive coordinators began to figure out what this team could do? Because the second half was played quite well uh, by the defense particularly, but even the offense began to discover 
uh, a running game that we've been clamoring on this on this podcast for for quite some time. Uh, maybe, just maybe, he discovered the value of a running game. Indeed. Haley, what were your thoughts? Well, I mean, especially after the season we've seen so far, any Husker game makes me really nervous. Um, <laughs> I was really happy to see the Huskers pull out a great win uh, after going to the game last week and unfortunately leaving disappointed. The big thing um, on campus in the Boneyard is we always say we're a second-half team, so I was glad to see that was proven right maybe like once again. Um, would I like to see them do better in the first half? Yes, especially with some hard-hitting teams coming at us. That's right. And Olivia? Um, I'd say because we improved so much on the second half rather than the first, I was able to come out of it with a very optimistic viewpoint. I was pretty much ready to kind of lose hope for the season. Not for the team, of course, but for the season season. if we lost this game. And to see us actually play really well, our defense held up really well, which was great to see. Love the black shirts. Um, and our offense. We got Ozigbo on the field, and I love, love Ziggy, so that was great. <laughs> Ziggy Stardust. Ziggy, yeah. <laughs> so um, I got me some renewed renewed hope for the season that, you know, we, we really do have uh, some power behind us to make something out yeah. of this season. Yeah, well, and Dad and I were sitting together um, right at, like, the 40-yard line. Great seats, Great man. seats, not too high up, so we got a great view of the field. And of course, I had him talking in my ear about Langsdorf running the football. Talking, <laughs> Gosh, more, like, more like yelling. In your <laughs> ear. Like hushed, hushed anger. <laughs> <laughs> so he wouldn't swear at the kids nearby. Yeah, he, had to, oh. he had to remind me that there were children nearby. <laughs> but yes, yeah. my, my general takeaway was that um, I liked how our defense played once again. One stat I saw was that in the second half, we only let up, I believe it was 62 yards and two first downs, a lot of which probably came on that last drive where we were playing a bit more prevents. Mm-hmm. Um, so Diaco um, has proven that he's able to um, make good at halftime adjustments, at least against these lesser teams that we faced so far. We haven't, you know, the real test could be Wisconsin in two weeks. Um, and I'm still concerned about uh, the offense. Um, like that we were running the ball more, but I want to see more unpredictability in the types of runs that we're going to be doing. And I would also like to see some more um, confidence from the coaching staff in Patrick O'Brien and our other quarterbacks, um, because if Tanner Lee continues to be interception-prone and mistake-prone as he has been in these first few games, um, I don't see why we should keep going back to him uh, if Patrick O'Brien is actually as good as they say he is. Yeah. Um, well, you know, that's an interesting take, Alex. I, uh, I would say uh, my, my perception of the, of the coaches uh, and their view of it is a little bit opposite of that, that they w- stuck with Tanner for the reasons of trying to show him that they're confident in him, that they believe that he is still the guy and all that sort of stuff. And, in fact, in the postgame, you know, uh, Coach Riley simply acknowledged that he never considered taking Tanner out. Now, I know that <laughs> might be a little shocking to believe, but that was at least his public comment was never even considered it. And uh, I think, though, that, that what we saw in the second half certainly has a little bit of Coach Riley's stamp on it. I think he recognizes that he needs to get maybe a little more involved, particularly on the offensive side of the ball in terms of play calling. I have a feeling that uh, you know the guys next to us uh, indicated or they believed that, uh, having watched a lot of games, that this was probably the most they've seen Riley 
actively engaged with the headset on uh, while playing uh, or while the game is going on. So, so that would suggest to me that he's probably a little bit more involved in uh, play selection than he ever has been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting note about the headset and the play calling and all that. You mentioned that uh, during his years at Oregon State, his best years were when he was the offensive coordinator. Playing, uh, so play, calling plays. Right, that yeah. was kind of his background. Right. Um, and so whether it's him actually calling the plays or it's just him telling Langsdorf to pursue these particular types of play calls, if this happens, go to this. Right. Or on this down in this part of the field, or whatever the case may be, um, but there definitely was a dramatic shift in the second half, t- more towards uh, a comfortableness with running the football mm-hmm. and you know bringing Ozigbo out there, which it was great. Like the first time he came out, he like carried the pile for eight yards, and the whole stadium was cheering. Oh yeah. The boneyard lights up when Ozigbo, his name is called. Everyone just goes like, yeah! goes crazy. Yeah, it, boneyard loves him. There is definite uh, adoration for Ziggy <laughs> among the students. I agree with that. Are you the only one that calls him Ziggy, or do a no, bunch of people call him Ziggy? No, it's a thing. It's a thing. I'm glad I'm not <laughs> I called him Ziggy Azalea at one point. <laughs> I thought that nice. was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I wrote down some stats from the game. Um, in terms of total yards, it ended up being 306 for us, 194 for them. Um, we were about equal. In what, what was ours? 306. 306 to 194. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we only had 109 passing yards. They had 126. Then we had 197 rushing yards. They only had 68. Um, so they're averaging like 2.8 yards per run, whereas we were at 4.2. Um, at the you recall at the end of the first half, they had quite a bit more time of possession than us because we had gotten that one quick mm-hmm. score. Um, but by the end of the game, it was 35 minutes for us, 24 for them. Wow, so that's, that, that was really dumb. I, I suspect the numbers in the second half, if you just looked at time of possession in the second half, it must have been like 20 to 10. Probably because, I mean, think about how many times we three and outed them. Right, you know? right. Um, and then, although, look at when you look at third down conversions, they were three for 12. So, you know, once again, good that good on our defense's part right. and we were 8 of 17 so not even at 50 percent well yeah and again that's for the whole game uh, I, I would be curious to see how many third downs we did convert in the second half i i'm inclined to believe that maybe it was a little bit more than 50 percent, maybe 55 or 60 yeah so that's good stuff uh, th- those are good indicators if you will and just the feel of the game i mean uh, regardless of the number of yards or even the number of points, although obviously getting enough points to win the game was important, but but just the feel of the game that you felt like, okay, we've got the ball and we're going to keep it for a while. You know, you had yeah. that feeling in that mm-hmm. second half. Did not have that feeling in the first half. Mm-mm. Frankly, haven't had that feeling other than uh, at certain points in the Arkansas State game. Uh, you know, just not much this season. So, so uh, you know, that's where I'm saying I don't know what this is yet. I don't know if this is just uh, uh, Langsdorf kind of conceding to the request of, of uh, Coach Riley or something, or whether this is a conscious awareness or aha moment for him to say, okay, maybe I do need to do a little bit more of this so that I can be more effective. And let's, let's not just focus on the, you know, I don't want to be just the run the ball guy, right? Which is a, a thing, to use your term. <laughs> um, so... Um, uh, it's more than just about running the ball. It's also about the types of passing plays that you that you call. Uh, mm-hmm. This is so critical, and we talked at some length about it last week. And it's amazing. I, I I'm gonna uh, not to try to beat our chest too much here, but 
I want people, if they have, if they're listening to this podcast, be sure and go back and listen to podcast 45, the one before this game. Because uh, I think if you watch this game and you watch or listen to that podcast, you will hear us call for almost all the things that were successful in the second half of the game. <laughs> and, and specifically even the types of pass plays. What I'm getting to is pass plays that are, that are fairly high probability, lower risk pass plays. When you have a quarterback that is struggling the way our quarterback was struggling, you have to put him in a position to have success. And so that means kind of tightening up the, the belt a little bit in terms of the types of plays you call and being simple. And when you have a physical advantage over your opponent, which we did in this case against Rutgers, there is no reason whatsoever that we couldn't have gone to that and been successful the whole game with little tight ends, square ends, tight end curls, uh, wide receiver um, squares, the play action passes, some things where we were staying pretty tight, probably 10 to 20 yard length for most of the passes, and then let the guys catch it and maybe do a little something afterwards. But even if they don't, you're moving the chains. So many times in the first half of this game, this past game, and other games where we've struggled, it's second down and you know eight, and we're throwing the ball 25 or 30 yards down the field, and then it's third and eight, and and we do it again, and it's like you got to understand that it's about getting first downs. The touchdowns will take care of themselves. You just have got to get the first downs, and for whatever reason, until the second half of this game, Langsdorf appeared not to understand that. Well, and even in the third quarter, it felt like there were some growing pains because they were starting to run the ball more, Mm -hmm. but it felt like, and even in the fourth quarter sometimes, it felt like they would give the ball to the running back, you know, whether it was Wilbon or Ozigbo or whoever, and then they just go straight down the middle where there's this densely packed wall of guys, (laughs) and he would just go down, and we wouldn't get, or we'd get like one yard or no yards. What was your term for that, Olivia? It was, oh, I use a metaphor of the frozen (laughs) butter, so it's like, you were trying to be the knife. And you want to cut through butter that's been out on the counter for hours rather than butter that's been sitting in the freezer. And that was freezer butter. And I was just, I was really, because we were all really ticked off in the boneyard because the first half, it was felt like it was watching Northern Illinois all over again mm-hmm. to a lesser extent. It wasn't quite the hot mess. No. But it was, we were seeing a lot of the same patterns. Mm-hmm. So we were really frustrated. And then he was finally running the ball, but he was doing it so poorly that I got frustrated because it's like, this is what I wanted but not at all what I wanted right? because it's not well, and, it being done well, and that frustrated me. And that gets back to something you mentioned maybe you want to expound on a little bit, types of running plays, right? Uh, not all running plays are equal, right? <laughs> and you want to have some variety, and, and uh, uh, we tend, because of the kind of system that we have where we have a single back set a lot and that sort of thing, um, we're often doing these draw play type of running plays where the quarterback takes the snap from center and then comes back to the running back, and then the running back takes the ball and runs. And there's a delay as a result of that. And oftentimes that's a good thing because it allows your blocking to kind of get set and start to open up a hole. So it's good from a timing standpoint. However, uh, when, when you're just wanting to establish a running game, it's often good to just attack the line of scrimmage and pound it. And even some of those plays that you're saying were into the frozen butter, okay? <laughs> um, the thing with that is that some of that is softening. You know, you, you, you have to do that to set up some other things mm-hmm. where you hit in that spot in the inside and you're only getting two yards or one yard or no yards or whatever, 
Uh, but then three plays, four plays later, if you're truly committed to a running game, you're setting things up where maybe the quarterback keeps it. In this case, it's not going to be because of Tanner Lee, but 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 maybe it's a situation where instead instead he takes a cut back and he goes to the opposite side of the center, and boom, they're expecting it to be a pound right there, and then all of a sudden there's a huge hole there because all their guys are already taking that extra step. So some of it is set up, but you're absolutely right. There were times when I felt like, okay, uh, Langsdorf has been told he has to run the football, and he is running the most stupid sequence of the same play, same play, same play, just to be able to turn around and look at the coach and say, see, I told you so, we can't run. You know, that type of thing. It almost seemed like that. I'm right. sure that was not the case at all. But it just, it was frustrating to, to watch Right. That. Well, and my, and I've echoed this on previous podcasts, but this QB draws, because that seemed to be like the only thing that we were doing for a good portion of the game. Well, well uh, draw plays, not QB draws, but just draw plays. Right, draw plays. Yeah. Draw plays in yeah, running back, come right? Yeah, on, Alex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Olivia's calling me out. Uh, <laughs> you know, because they take a while to develop, you know, the the defense is able to kind of anticipate that when they know you're going to do it and try to get there in that backfield, you know, stop you before you get there. Or, right you know, there's sides. all... Right, or the line closes up and things like that. Although I do remember there was a play or two where we were running a Zigbo to the outside yeah. and it didn't get us much. And we were like, why aren't we going down the middle, especially with right. him? Cause he's a big power back. Yeah. He's not super so, fast. And that, that has something to do with too. Yeah. Personnel. Obviously if you, if you've got uh, Mikhail Wilbon, then he's a guy that his running style is more of a lateral movement, uh, kind of shift vision, find the hole and take it. Right. Whereas a Zigbo is more of a, the hole's gonna be there, and if it's not there, I'm gonna create. It. You know, <laughs> Which that was why we love him, right? Yeah. And uh, but now there are times, and we noticed this in the game. There was one play, uh, and it might have been either a third down or a fourth down. It was a critical down, and we ended up having to go off the field because of it. But um, he hit the hole and got no gain. Mm-hmm. And if he had just taken one step to the left, yeah. it was open mm-hmm. because they had done what I said. They had the the, the defense had moved in anticipation mm-hmm. of that run run play. And they had already committed that that pile of butter instead of cutting back <laughs> and, and going there. <laughs> it was a pile of butter instead of a stick of stick butter. Stick of butter, yeah. Um, but and I know you might disagree with me on this because um, I actually liked how they were switching out Ozigbo with Wilbon and the the new guy, the true freshman. Yeah. Um, in terms of because that gives you you know you got Ozigbo as like your power guy to get you on third and two to get you the first down, right. and then Wilbon might be the guy to sweep to the outside and things of that nature. Yeah. So I like varying that up. However, I would agree that if you're ha- if Ozigbo is getting four yards every carry yeah, and they just, just can't stop go. him, then sometimes it's good yeah. to just let See, it happen. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm all about rotating running backs. I think that's a critical thing. But I'm a believer in uh, if, if a running back's having a degree of success, you allow him to continue for the series. You might replace him and put the other guy in for the next series and give him a series to, to do what he can do. Uh, um, but if you've got somebody that's gotten get into the flow of the game, and if you're running the ball with success, and here's another um, thing I would say that was a compliment to uh, uh, you know, because I'm always so critical of Langsdorf, need to find those opportunities to praise him. <laughs> um, and uh, when they started having success running the football, they were smart enough to pick up the pace. Not that they went fast, you know, no huddle, 
but they were coming up to the line with 18, 19 seconds on the, on the clock, and boom, they were snapping that ball and running it again. So they, they raised the pace of the offense just a little bit when they started having success running it to tire and wear down the other team, make it just a little bit harder for them to substitute, that sort of stuff. And that was great. I love to see that. And, and this gets back to uh, another message that's been consistent on the podcast, particularly this year. Th- that stuff that I'm all describing to you, high school. Right. It's not exactly. complicated. I think that Langsdorf tries to make this too complicated. We are playing football. We're not rocket scientists. So let's keep it that way. Right. And I noticed, I told you this as well, in the fourth quarter, I remember seeing one of their like linebackers, he kind of like was shrugging down near his waist. It was clear that they were either a little confused about the scheme or they were just tired and couldn't stop Ozigbo or whatever it was, you know. So that's the thing with that kind of consistent running game and when you're pushing them like that and when our defense is keeping them to three and outs, um, you're yeah, able to tire too. out their defense eventually, right. and you get those games in the fourth quarter. Right. Now, now I want to hear from you girls, um, as part of the whole, just generally, like, what was it like being in the bone zone? And, bone know, zone? Bone zone. zone? Boneyard. Boneyard. What are you? Sympathetically patting <laughs> Alex's shoulder, like, ah, yes. oh, you tried. <laughs> <laughs> Boneyard, excuse me. And what... Bone zone rhymes, though. I like that. <laughs> it's too close to bozo. Yeah, that's the problem. We'd get we'd get crap for that. Yeah, yes. probably. Fine, boneyard. <laughs> just talk about the general experience because there were sometimes even over on our side of the field on the opposite side where you know that whole stadium was rocking. It was nice and fun. But then also yeah. when Tanner Lee threw that interception at the oh. start of the second oh, quarter, oh, it was, I was crushed. I'll, was, let, I'll let Haley take was this one. Physically painful. It was just <laughs> revisiting last week when it happened again and again. And it was just like, you know, the Boneyard is there to support this team and we put so much into it. And then you see a play like that and I swear, like, everybody around you just drops. Like, you're not, you can't even stand anymore. You're gripping your chest and you're like, what is happening? Like, please, please let us not have another game like last week. It's really rough. It's, you know, we're supposed to, like, be positive and we want to support the Huskers. And you do have students, like, that do that. Olivia's great at that. She stayed positive the whole time. You know, she was angry. She was pacing. I don't, I don't like but I just let her pace. A, she, that's right. She's my but, daughter. You know, and then you have <laughs> no the students booing. that, like, just completely, like, retract and are like, we suck, we're terrible, like, Tanner yeah. Lee needs to leave. And, yeah. you know, I admit, yeah. I did get to that point where I was like, please <laughs> take Tanner Lee off the field. Well, I can't well, with him well, anymore. Well, um, Haley, Haley was not a Tommy, Tommy no, I was Armstrong. Armstrong I was not a Tommy fan. Armstrong fan. And she was like... This is me saying this, but I want Tommy Armstrong back. I don't know. I will say it was interesting to see the kind of transformation because mm-hmm. um, I was almost afraid that students were going to like boo at Tanner when they're doing that whole like starting lineup thing on the Jumbotron, you know? Before you the did. game. Right. You did. Yeah, before the game. Um, and a few did, but not the majority were still cheering mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which was good. But generally, like, you know... Tommy's, or not Tommy. Tanner. Tanner. Too many T's. Um, Tanner's getting a lot of crap from the student section that he doesn't deserve. That's it's more true. like Langsdorff and the coaching staff. Right. And he's kind of taking the brunt of it in that regard. But, um, and so there's a lot of unhappy customers, you know, in that first half, especially during the interception, because we're just like, this is exactly why we want you benched and we want know. O'Brien out there. Well, but, but. Uh, during the second half and stuff like that, I started hearing more cheers. It's like, come on, Tanner, you got this. You got this. You're okay. Yes. Like, it was more of like, kind of like this 
kind of encouraging Supporting. or almost uh-huh. desperate like we want <laughs> we really want you to succeed and it's like at the drop of a hat too you yeah. know like one minute they're like booing him on the field and the next minute you just well, hear these like that's, slaps that's like, football you can do fans it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an that is, that is so the definition funny. of fickle fan right yeah. there it was I mean oh, we were so definitely fair. into it though you know because every time there's a third down on for the defense mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you know we start throwing the bones throwing and they the bones, play like the same core. song and every time after a touchdown when they'd uh, do a kickoff you know a punt or whatever I was gonna Yes, um, you know, we we take off our right shoes and we pound them kick in the air. air. That's stuff like that, and that's always really fun. Never give up on all that stuff. Yeah. So mm. the traditions continue no matter how down the the cards may be. But it is amazing, like we were noticing, um, after we had uh, had a good defensive series, and then we took the ball and we scored, and the energy in the crowd mm-hmm. just. I mean, it went up exponentially. It was just enormously different than what it had been just five minutes before, you know. So that is so critical to, to you know, the yeah. success of the home field advantage that we do have that our team needs to be able to feed off of that. Sometimes, I, I, I you know, I, I feel like they kind of wait for it like it's – Part of our job to provide that, but uh, you know, it's it's a it's it's got to be a both way type of thing. They've got to be putting in the effort, and that's why the you guys love Ozigbo is because at mm-hmm. least at least during games, he demonstrates an unwillingness to go down yeah. and, a, and an effort level that is to be admired. Mm-hmm. And so that's something you want to encourage, and that's that's traditional Nebraska football. That's what I grew up watching, and so that's huge. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm sure you guys would agree that when um, when we got that interception and took it back for the touchdown, you know, the whole stadium went crazy. But then, of course, it got taken back by the block in the back, uh, which was unfortunate. And we ended up uh, getting a field goal goal. out of that instead. um, Well, that's just like the Okay, so here's another example similar. Uh, We got a touchdown in this case, but it's still one of those things that uh, I was I was just harping on with Alex on. Okay, um, um, uh, personnel gets the punt return, has a great punt return, oh, yeah. really good blocking, mm-hmm. uh, good vision, and he, and he almost gets a touchdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should have gotten a touchdown, except mm-hmm. the guy that was blocking, the final guy, was out there in front, didn't knock the guy on his ass. Mm-hmm. He kept, you know, patty-caking with this dude instead of finding a way to get that guy on his ass. And I said to Alex, see, that one of the differences is they're still all high-fiving and stuff. I guarantee you, uh, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, when that, that would happen, there would have been both coaches and uh, fellow players, leaders on the team that would have been after that kid who was part of the putt return unit that didn't knock that guy on his ass, and somebody would have been in his face. And during film study and review, they would have been harping like heck about the fact that, hey, that guy's got to be on his ass. If that guy's on his ass, then that's a touchdown for our punt returner, for, mm-hmm. for Pearsonell. And that's a big deal because then we had to run offensive plays. We could have fumbled the ball. We could have had penalties that would have taken us backwards. We may not have ended up having to kick a field goal or got nothing, you know. And, uh, and it was only two yards. Mm-hmm. You get those damn two yards. You get them now. And so you've got to have that almost fatalistic, this is the last play of my life mm-hmm. kind of mentality every time you're out there on the field, especially if you're on a special teams. I mean, that might be the only time that kid plays. I don't even remember who it was. But the point is you have to have that level of just fanatical effort when you're in that thing. And those are the kinds of plays that turn a game around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and the one last specific play I thought of that might be worth talking about is I remember in the first half <clears throat> there was a, it was a third down and relatively short and Tanner Lee 
uh, like swung out of the pocket to the left and he had space to run. They would have gotten the first down if he had run it. Uh, but then there was a guy open in the left corner of the end zone. He oh, threw yes. it, caught it, touched down. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. But at the time, you were still angry in that. Yes. Same. You, you Olivia know, was too. You I was know, so pissed. We, we gave up. We could have had the guaranteed first, first down mm-hmm. versus yep. the touchdown which was a good throw and he was open and all that well, but it could have gone wrong and we would have had to kick a field even goal even just being open that guy had like two guys on him he, I he think wasn't he that won. open either way I, uh, I was really frustrated because even there's just this very clear path and Tanner doesn't even like kind of run for it because he's still like prepping to throw so he's like taking some steps forward but he's still ready to throw so I was thinking like he's going forward he's using his feet but he still ended up throwing it in the end I'm like well we got a touchdown but he's done the same thing before and gotten a pick six and it really scared me definitely a play where everyone just held their breath and you're like if you mess this up we are not going to be. He happy was going to face you. Mama's wrath. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Mama's <laughs> wrath. That's what we raised it. Another term. Love yes, it. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Yeah. Well, there were definitely were uh, several times where you know he was passing it into coverage and everybody mm-hmm. like clinches up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell. Well, yeah. now, and, 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 and so here's more of the technical things about that play that you guys were just talking about. Tanner Lee is a right-handed quarterback. Mm-hmm. He had scrambled away from the uh, pressure out of the pocket. It was not necessarily a designed play-action pass, I don't believe. It may have been, but I don't think it was. I think he had, it was in a scramble situation. Um, mm-hmm. And he was running to his right, for a, uh, or to his left. For a quarterback running to your left to have to stop and be able to turn and, and set yourself enough that you can throw an accurate football to the corner of an end zone, and that pass, even though it was only 10 yards of real estate, right? We were probably at the 12-yard line or... Uh, I think we were further away from no, something, something like that. Well, my, my point is, is the pass was even longer, right? It was probably right. twice as long as the actual distance to the end zone when you take in the angle and all that sort of stuff. And there are so many things that can go wrong with that. And then, and then now you're kicking a field goal versus you've got green grass in front of you. You have a guaranteed first down. You take, you, you take the ball, you get the first down, and you pass on giving up the touchdown because that wasn't guaranteed. Now, if, that, if that's second down or first down, I want him throwing that football. But on third down in the red zone, I get the first down. I don't care about the touchdown then. What's more important is the first down. And one of the fundamentals then for me about this offensive staff is they don't seem to understand the importance of just getting first downs and letting touchdowns take care of themselves. We will find our way because what first downs do is give you confidence and they deplete the confidence of the opponent. Mm-hmm. There's such there's nothing more devastating than a 12-play drive. The, the gentleman who was sitting next to us in the stands, he says, I, I don't think Danny Langsdorf has ever seen a 13-play drive. He, he doesn't know what that means. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because uh, that guy doesn't seem to understand. Doesn't Even when we started having success running the football, what happened? We ran the football and we got like two first downs or three first downs in a row, and then he threw it. Mm-hmm. Then he can't help himself. Stay with the running game. Once you start getting things that now don't do this exact same play, but but you know throw some diversity in there, but stay with it until they stop it because that's empowering for your offensive line. They get excited, they get geeked about it, and amazingly, offensive linemen get less injured when run blocking than pass blocking. That's when offensive linemen get hurt because then they get blindsided, they're backing up, they trip over each other, they turn ankles. That's when. 
that's when offensive linemen get hurt, as opposed to run blocking where you're just a road grader and you're out there pushing people around, and then boom, you get up, you're, you're getting up off your knees and you're fine. You're not getting up off your backside, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, so, Dad, I have a question for you then, because it seems like just watching Tanner play the past few games, it seems like he really does have, like, an aversion for him just tucking the ball and running. Like, he'll give it to the running back, you know, if that's the play or whatever. Right. But he seems so reluctant to run the ball himself. Mm -hmm. And what do you think is the reason for that? Like, is it avoiding injury? Is he just really slow? Is he really dedicated to doing exactly what Langsdorf tells him to do? Like, what do you think Um, is causing that? I think there's three things. Number one, look at Tanner Lee the next time. Uh, before the game. He's just he's, tiny. Not he's, he's not a big guy. very athletic. <laughs> no, look at his legs. Look at the way he walks. He doesn't even look like an athlete. In fact, I made that comment. You know, you look you look at his legs and the and the way you know, you know, uh, there's a certain look that an athlete has. They have they have kind of squared up legs. Mm-hmm. They're they're balanced in how they walk. You know, you can just tell that guy's athletic. I mean, just the way they walk, you can kind of tell, yeah. right? They got a step uh, a bounce in their step stuff. He doesn't have any of that. He, he, he looks like kind of a older guy. You know, he just does. To me, he does not have that athletic look. And so I think, number one, he just isn't that much of an athlete. You put him in a track team or a basketball team, he may not be very good. But what he does have is a rocket on his shoulder, okay? And that's what everybody's told him his whole life. It's what's brought him to this point where he's a starting quarterback at the University of Nebraska. So he's got a strong arm. But he has an absolute aversion to running because he is slow and he's not very athletic. Okay, number two, I would say, yes, he is trying to execute according to the coach's plan, according to Langsdorf plan. And they don't want him running the football because they don't want him getting hurt. And number two, they know he's slower than a seven-year age. So, <laughs> so, so the, but, but there still has to be some of that. And that's where, frankly... Patrick O'Brien and certainly Gebbia, and and that, and this was some of the interesting insight that the guys that we were sitting around uh, suggested. They're convinced that the true number two quarterback is is the true freshman Gebbia, okay, not Patrick O'Brien. Now, right now, we very much want a redshirt Gebbia, so we save that year. Mm-hmm. But if you're Mike Riley at this point, every game your job's on the line. The red shirts mean nothing now, which is why I think we, we pulled a few red shirts yesterday because there, there's no preserving for the future because there ain't no future for you if you don't win right. and perform That's well true. now. And Franklin, frankly, it, even going back to the spring game, Gebby is a guy that just from a heady, uh, athletic, tuck and run it, good decision maker, but yet still has a hell of an arm and all that stuff, he's the guy that, that you know, in the context of the game itself, look to be the best quarterback. But his problem is he's a stick string bean and he needs this year of redshirting to bulk up so he can handle the rigors mm-hmm. of being a Division One quarterback. So I, they desperately want to keep that redshirt on him. But if I'm, if I'm uh, uh, Coach Riley, uh, I am preparing him to play. Uh, not and and we'll see how it goes. But if he has to replace Tanner Lee, don't be surprised if they pass over Patrick and they go straight to Gebbia. Mm-hmm. That would or definitely. Gebbia, I think is is how you Gebbia. Yeah, that would be interesting for sure. So, I think we've reached kind of a conclusion of the Rutgers game. Yeah. Our whole talk is that we 
believe we saw some improvement in this game. You know, the defense. You know, I was going to say, talk defense a little bit because we really have ignored <laughs> They defense. were good. They were good. Well, right. We were happy. There's a little less to talk about. Shirt. You know, there were, there were still some plays, Mom's especially here at the beginning, where you were getting upset in that, uh, you know, they were doing that uh, thing that Diaco was doing, like in the Arkansas State game, where we were uh, stopping the big play but letting them get the five yard pass ten, or the 10 yard pass. 10 yard pass. Yeah, and things Ridiculous. like that. Um, and there were some times where they had people open and they just dropped the ball Correct. and things like that. So there were some mistakes on their part. You know, they had some penalties and things like that that helped us out. Um, but I would say that consistently throughout each of these games, we've seen the defense get a little better each time. Yep. You know, and being able to Adjust. you know hold them to ten points. You know, with seven being scored by the interception. You know, and keeping them that, those many three and outs in the second half. You know, I got to say that's a that's a victory for our defense. Right, I I would agree. I think I I would I would say we're seeing progress there, and I was particularly uh, excited about the play of some of our defensive linemen in the game yesterday and our linebackers. We had some linebackers who played really well, and then we had this uh, what's his name get lost for the game because the of that stupid targeting call, which oh, we're not even going to go into because uh, you know it, it's just painful. But <laughs> bottom line is, we were uh, in an already depleted area, forced to bring another guy in, and he had to play a lot of minutes he wasn't expecting to play, and they did it. They did a good job. There weren't a lot of breakdowns necessarily, but I, yeah, I'm still, I'm still a, 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 a very concerned about the defense because what we saw in the good results was uh, Rutgers making mistakes. Dropping passes that were very catchable, missing, misfiring on some pass plays where guys were wide open. Uh, our coverage until late in the game, for whatever reason, in that late uh, third quarter and early fourth quarter, before we went into prevent mode there at the very end of the game, we were coming up and playing in their face way more than I've seen in the previous games. Now I don't get to see every game uh, in person, so it's it's so much better when you can see it in person. You get to see the twenty two versus only getting to see whatever the camera zooms in on, which is typically the offensive and defensive line, and you don't see what's going on with the defensive backs and their last-minute adjustments where they either back away or they come up on somebody right away, right? right. So those are important little caveats that we're starting to see. Um, I still am not seeing any pressures that work. When we, put, when we bring a blitz, we n- it never gets home. We just yeah. don't get home. Well, we what did we have? Maybe two tackles for loss or sacks? Yeah, um, there, there weren't that many of them, but there were definitely times pressures. where we got pressure on him and made him release it quicker or yeah. make a mistake, yeah. things like that. But, but I, I, just, I think there's still work to be done, but I see yes. progress, yeah. and yeah, no doubt, and, and I think we can – I like the 3-4 defense conceptually. Uh, uh, I think he needs to get way more creative with his, his blitz packages, and I want him to remain more aggressive. I'd like to see him come and be aggressive early. And my only hope is he's just getting reps and all that, and he's building confidence in his guys, and that he's going to unleash that to a larger extent than he has before. Not that he's all of a sudden going to become Mr. Aggressive, but he's going to get way more aggressive when we play Wisconsin in, in a couple of weeks. And that assumes that we continue to get better and beat Illinois on Friday night. Oh, my yes. goodness. Friday night game. Yes. So, yes, it's a Friday night game. Um a little unusual, so we're going to have a little less time to prepare. And they had a bye week uh, this right. past week, so they've had two weeks to prepare for us. 
which means we need to be a little yeah, more danger cautious. Danger Will Rogers, absolutely. <laughs> That's right, Danger Will Rogers. Um, so what what is it that you are most interested in seeing in the Illinois game in terms of like what they're bringing to bear against us? What do you think yeah. the dyna- dynamics well, are? Il- Illinois has some individual players that are quite good. Their talent level is, uh, I think, higher than many people expect. They have not shown on the field, however, uh, the kind of team chemistry and, and you know, uh, consistency that you would want in a good football team. So they're still struggling. Um, but uh, uh, their quarterback, I think, is a, is a returning guy. Um, they have some wide receivers that are very talented. Um, so they're going to present some problems, particularly in the passing game. I don't, I'm don't. i hopeful that, like this game, we're going to be able to shut down their running game. They have some good running backs, don't get me wrong. They do. But I'm hopeful that we can neutralize that because of our defensive line and that sort of thing and our linebacker play against the run. So if we can do those things, then we can kind of make them somewhat one-dimensional where we get them behind the, 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 the chain, so to speak, and then they have to throw it. Right, and and that maybe limits the the way that they can damage us. Right. Um, but I am anxious to see how our offense uh, looks, especially in the first half. Do we come out and try to establish a running game in a in a mode similar to what we did in the second half of this one, or do we do something different? Do we go back to trying to throw it? So uh, we'll see what's uh, going on with that. Mm-hmm. All right, that sounds good to me. I'm looking forward to that game. I'll have to get out of work a little early, being on the Pacific Coast to see the game, but it's a night game, so that'll be interesting. It's at Illinois as well. Right, yeah. um, way, which sometimes is better for our team. Uh, not to take away from you guys in the <laughs> boneyard, but sometimes the kids, the players, it's a little lower stress environment. Yeah, They're I a little bit more about us against the world, and, uh, and they can really build some more team chemistry. So it's an opportunity for them to build chemistry. Yeah. Is this our... No, we played second, at Oregon. Right. Yes. right. So yeah. This is our second away second, game. Second away game. For this team. Yep. So we're going to do our score predictions now for the game. Um, I am going to go ahead and predict a, based on what you were saying, uh, let's go for 28-17, like, like this game against Rutgers with the victory. I, I am uh, glass half full because uh, we won yesterday, so I'm not <laughs> in the doldrum well, uh, you know, like last disaster. Time. Yeah. So, but I'm going to predict a victory for Nebraska. Uh, and, but I'm going to say we're going to score more points. I think the offense is going to. Uh, I'm I'm so hopeful that we learn from this game and that right. we're going to we're going to do that. And if we do, I believe we end up scoring 42 points. So I think our score is 42, oh, and I think their score is going to be 21. Okay. Fair enough. Haley, what do you think? Oh, goodness. You know, I wish I was that positive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just from what I've seen this year, I I mean, if they score 42 points, I'm going to be extremely impressed. But I do I'm recall say, that they did score that many in the Arkansas State that's game. That's true. Well, that's yeah. true. But I'm going to go probably lower like you did. I'll say 28-21. Okay. 28-21. Oh, that's what I was going to say. I'm, you, I'm can, gonna, you can say the same well, thing. It's okay. Well, I'm going to say I'm going to add a field goal onto that. So let's say like 31-21. All right. We got some good variety in like scores. Yep. Yep. We'll see Absolutely. who ends up winning out. Now, here's the other thing that we didn't talk about that was that's important about where we are right now. We're one and zero. Yes, right? that's, that's right. One and zero. That's what we kept saying after the game. At the end of the day, 
as embarrassing and frustrating as the Northern Illinois loss was and how difficult it is to recognize that we have some massive deficiencies. Our offensive line simply is not playing very well. Now, I'm not going to say they're not any good because I know that the recruiting history of these kids and I know that we have a number of starts among our starting group, the number of starts they've had, the number of games they've played. We are a fairly mature group. And that young freshman who came in and played tackle for us right. played pretty darn well, it looks like, uh, and held his own. So maybe he's the guy that solidifies that right-hand side. And all of a sudden, we can start running. We have a little bit more diversity on left versus right and those kinds of things that allow us to uh, you know, uh, do some stuff that uh, we weren't able to do earlier in the season. So hopefully, uh, that means good things. So. 1-0, that's the way you guys got to look at it. It's all about the Big Ten West. Right. It's not about right. winning we, It's not about winning yeah, no. national championships or any of that. It's about winning the Big Ten West. Yep, we Step did. one is over. We knew the national championship wasn't in the cards for us regardless. So those out-of-conference losses don't really matter. And we got to watch the Iowa game yesterday where Iowa lost a close one to Penn State. Should which have is, maybe beat them, really. Well, right. But they did end up losing, which is important for us because they're right. a rival in the Big Ten West. Right. Um, which means that we got to go out there, beat Illinois next week, show some more improvement that Langsdorf has learned with the whole running game thing, and then go into that Wisconsin game. And really, that's the real test right there. Right. Well, yeah. Without without overlooking Illinois, uh, I mean, nothing matters if we lose to Illinois. Right. And I, and I will recall the last time uh, we went to Illinois, I went to that game in Champaign two years ago. We lost. <laughs> in the rain. It was miserable. We oh, outplayed God. them for four quarter, for three and a half quarters, and then they uh, we were only winning like, 13 to nothing or something, and then they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and won it, or something like that. I don't remember the exact score, but it was one of those things where we were the dominant team, the better team, clearly on the field for all. But then, like, we had a mistake. I think it was a Tommy Armstrong interception or fumble or something. Probably. And then, and then all of a sudden, momentum switched, and we lost mm-hmm. by one point. Oh, I'd say, like, instead of New Year's resolution, new game resolution, mm-hmm. let's not play like crap in the first half. That's my, <laughs> that's my goal. That's my half team. Yeah, yeah. I'd the like to. Half team. Let's just be a team that plays team. the whole game as well as we can. I'd like to not have PTSD from Northern Illinois <laughs> yeah. surface for an entire first half of the game. Uh, no. see some See some of the second half in the first half mm-hmm. against Illinois. That's All what I'd right. like to say. I like this new game resolution. We should <laughs> we email should. that to Mike Riley yeah. <laughs> so he can post it on the it, top board for the team. Yes, what your guys' goals are. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Well, Haley and Olivia, thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely. This was a great uh, Schmitz family episode. We did one of these with uh, Uncle AJ a few months <laughs> oh ago. Gosh. I loved hearing you guys talk about that and hearing Uncle AJ's, like, prediction for yesterday's game. Well, but it's game. accurate, though. I know. Yeah. He's really pessimistic, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but hopefully, yeah, we get to do more, uh, have more guests on the show and things like that. We definitely like doing that. Uh, so if you out there enjoyed listening to this podcast, you can email us at huskerpete 13 at gmail.com. You can find us online at footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can uh, leave comments on there or rate us on iTunes, leave us reviews, things of that nature. Right. Yeah, they can find us on iTunes too, right? That's if what they I said. search if they search for football throwdown, they'll they'll track us down. That's right. Outstanding. Okay. Very good. So uh, until next week, uh, go big red. Go big red. Go big red.